You are listening to the Brentwood Baptist Church Life Group Leader Podcast, a resource to equip and encourage group leaders on their journey toward being disciples and making disciples through life groups. Here are your hosts, Jay Fennell and Paul Wilkinson. Hello, Life Group Leaders, and welcome to another episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast through Brentwood Baptist Church. Thanks for tuning in. Maybe you are uh, in the car on the way to work this morning, or maybe you are uh, at the gym working out, wherever you are. Uh, glad you're tuning in, and we hope that you uh, get a few helpful nuggets out of uh, out of the podcast today. Or on your way to teach your class on Sunday morning, and that works too. I know that some of you do that. It kind of is a last-minute uh, refresher. So anyway, I'm here uh, with Paul Wilkinson again, and he and I enjoy doing these things because we feel like uh, they could be helpful to you um, as a leader, and we hope that they are. And if you know some life group leaders that might could benefit from listening to the podcast and maybe uh, finding you know one other little something that they can add to their lesson for that week, um, please let them know about this. And yeah, tell, and tell push it to your co-leaders and whoever you might be apprenticing or the person that substitutes for you when you're out. Push it to them too, and let them start being fed uh, in this way and start thinking in these leadership terms. Yeah. So this week we're going to be focusing on chapter three in the spiritual leadership curriculum. And we are, of course, following along with the sermon series entitled Leading Well. And uh, we're excited about this particular lesson this week. And the title of the chapter is Finding Your Ministry Role. And the focal passage, which we're going to be in Ephesians 4 again this week, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I really like this chapter because it really challenges us in a lot of ways. And I think as I was thinking about this chapter and kind of what the overarching question was for us is this. What's the point? What What is the purpose of spiritual leadership? What are we trying to produce as spiritual leaders uh, at the end of the day, the outcomes that we're looking for? And I think that Dr. Orge does a really good job in this chapter of answering that question for us and taking us to the scripture to find out what um, what Paul writes about it, Paul the Apostle writes, but also what the Lord wants for us as spiritual leaders in his church to uh, to be producing ourselves. I think one of the things that really pop out to me, and, and this is not something that's new, we've heard this many times before, but it's the reality that if we are followers of Christ, if we have given our lives to him, then we are indeed ministers. Uh, whether we get a paycheck and benefits to do it or not, we are all called to be ministers of the gospel and in whatever capacity. So we, that's that's true. Um, I think that's going to be pretty prevalent throughout this study, th- these series of lessons. But the other thing that also I think the make that that the author in this chapter makes a really good point is that everyone is called. But that God changes our ministry focus from time to time. And I he so he writes about that just over the course of his life. He accepted that call, right, in his particular life to be a vocational minister. But all of us are called, as I just said. But God, over the years, has changed his focus in certain areas of ministry and used him at different places and different times. And I find that to be true in my life. Uh, just a quick little testimony myself. Um, when I felt the Lord's call to vocational ministry back as a college student, I kind of um, 
rejected that to begin, honestly, uh, just didn't really feel like I felt this nudge of the Lord in this direction, but it just didn't make sense logically in my head. And so I pursued other things and then finally realized toward the end that as I was miserable uh, chasing these other career fields that brought me no joy or, or fulfillment in life, uh, I realized that God had called. And so I surrendered to that call and I moved out into into ministry. And because I'm more uh, sports oriented, I, I really enjoy the competitiveness of sports and played sports as a kid. I discovered recreation sports ministry and really felt like that's where the Lord had really called me based on my passions and interest. I saw the uh, great opportunity to reach people through the universal language of sport. And so I began to uh, prepare myself to be a recreation minister as after I finished seminary. And so I went through seminary and took theology courses. I'm not sure what led me to do that because really I could have taken a bunch of Christian ed courses, but I really focused on theology courses and got to the end of my seminary and I began to look for opportunities in rec sports ministry and churches and various uh, other ministries and just really had a hard time finding where that was. God used me in rec ministry through seminary and, and right out of college and it was great. And, and I think you said universal. I think about you told me the time you took the trip to Africa mm-hmm. and uh, did evangelism that way. Yeah, as a ba- part of a basketball team uh, for three or four weeks, going all around Kenya, Africa, playing basketball and, and sharing the gospel with Kenyans. But, yeah, so God used all those experiences in me to kind of build this. And so as I was leaving, I, I, he no opportunities open, and I moved into another opportunity in student ministry and then from there, moved into some educational ministry. All through that, still got to participate in sports, and God is still using that in my life uh, to, um, to to witness to people and to develop relationships with people. I tell you that story to say, in my mind, I think I, I knew where I was going, and God was using me in that, but then he changed my ministry focus a, a number of times, from rec ministry to student ministry, and then from student ministry to more of adult ministry. And that's where kind of where I am now, and I, I think that's okay. I think that's that's pretty common with uh, with people that our calling doesn't change. We're all called, and we always will be, to take part in what God is doing to build His kingdom, to build His church. But how He uses us within that calling may change from season to seasons of our lives. And I think that the Doctor Orge here does a really good job of making that clear. And I think that would be really important to talk about in life groups as you teach, as you lead this week. And so Orge talks about his experiences similar to yours on page 30. Uh, he says, uh, the Lord has led me at various times to serve as an apostle, which will be a church planter, the entrepreneurial mindset, a prophet, conference speaker on controversial themes, evangelist, sharing my faith and training others to do so, pastor, shepherd of a local church, and teacher, a professor and seminary leader. Um, and then through those changes, he has continued to learn, grow, and be challenged. And then second, he had to remain humble because he had to rely totally on, on God for uh, what was coming. So it's almost like he became an expert in the field, and then the Lord moved him to say, you know, you're going to continue to rely on me as I continue to develop you and grow you. And it's not going to be so different for the people in your groups as well. Yeah. I think another important point that he makes in this chapter is one of the most important roles of spiritual leaders is equipping of the saints, equipping of other leaders. 
And he he talks about that um, pretty plainly on chapter, I'm sorry, on page 32, uh, that kind of the first full uh, paragraph there, talking about the importance of equipping Christians for service is a must for leaders. The primary job of every church leader is teaching, training, modeling, mentoring, and equipping other believers to do kingdom work. Um, and I, as I think about that in the context of a life group leader, uh, you know, the tendency for us sometimes is to work hard, to lead, to teach for the sake of attracting many followers. You know, we want to grow our groups. Absolutely, we, we do. We want to reach more people and we want to have a larger group and we want to build community within it. But really the mark of true, solid spiritual leadership is um, teaching people and modeling for people, but also then sending them out. So the true measure in spiritual leaders is this equipping for them to take ownership, to find out what God, how God has gifted them and equipped them, and they move out to become a spiritual leader as well. So we don't hoard leaders. We don't hoard people for the sake because we want followers. We want to send them out into various areas of service within the church and community for the sake of the gospel. And it's a perpetual battle because the church begins to imitate culture, and we do have a very consumeristic culture where services are provided products are provided and everything's geared towards that individual and meeting our needs. And sometimes our group members, and I think about myself when I was participating in groups, I could fall into that rut as well, or I show up just to get the word from this great teacher. I show up just to have this great community there. So I had no concept of being equipped to do work. It was me getting my needs met and and my needs fulfilled and so it's got to be a perpetual battle. We've got to stay vigilant in the battle to continue to stress to people that they have been called to do this work, that our job is not to merely meet their needs, not merely to satisfy them, but our job is to equip them so that they can go out and do the work. And so if we look, if we hop back, it's not part of our focus text for today. It's part of our focus text for last week. But we go back and look at verse 7 of this same chapter in Ephesians 4. And now grace was given to each one of us. So everybody has received this grace of gifting and ministry role calling. That There are, there are no bystanders here. There's no uh, spectators. We're all called as believers, as Jay said, to be on mission and to do that work through whatever the gifting and the ministry role uh, Christ has designed for us. And verse 12 kind of makes it plain as to why that is. Uh, verse 12, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. And we're not talking about necessarily a building. We're not, talk, we're not necessarily talking about Brentwood Baptist Church only. We're talking about the universal church uh, generally to the building up of the body, the equipping of the saints to deploy these people into a world that's lost and searching for the sake of the gospel, so that people may see the light of Christ in us and therefore then be drawn to this light. As Scripture says, when Jesus says himself, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. That's our, that's our purpose uh, as little Christs in the world to be that and to, um, to build up the body, to help the body become more established and uh, to help the body become more effective in the world through the ministry of those who are being um, called out and equipped and sent out. Yeah, and to make the body robust, uh, you see there in verse 13, growing into maturity with the stature measured by Christ's fullness. So the language we 
traditionally use is that the words and deeds of Jesus naturally flow out of you where you live, work, and play. So our job is to help our group members become that. And then, of course, as a philosopher, theologian, I love verse 14, is that we help our group members to not be little children anymore, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. So we give them truth. We give them doctrine, which is why the teaching aspect of the groups is is so elevated is because we need to help um, both in the lecture style, sort of, you know, from the from the leader out through uh, explanation and exposition, give people strong doctrine to rest on in these times of crisis and when the enemy attacks, but also in the modeling of our lives uh, so that our people can be bold and have deep roots and be steadfast to remain on mission with Christ. Paul, talk to us a little bit about your thoughts as the Apostle Paul here begins, uses the metaphor of the body, uh, the human body, as a, as a way for us to understand the body of Christ, the church. And you uh, you were just talking earlier, you and I were talking about just the, the importance of equal growth, of, of growth of all the body parts, and how important that is, and that how um, ineffective it might would be for one part to be different from the other part in terms of its growth. Yeah, and beginning in page 37 of the travel log, Orge starts talking about that and unpacking that verse in uh, Ephesians 4.16. and talks about healthy churches. But the image that popped into my head as I was reading this was just the human body and what would it look like if we grew out of proportion with ourselves, if we were unbalanced, so if only one of our legs grew and the other leg stayed the size it was when we were three years old or something. And the other leg just kept growing. And likewise with our arms, it would just be, it'd be difficult to function (laughs) that way. Not only it would look odd, but it would be very difficult to function. And it's no different within the body of Christ is that we can't get unbalanced and go so far down one of these ministry paths. So we can't just become teachers and all be teachers is that we need to have a good balance of teachers and then apostles. So we need to raise up the body, but we need apostles to be sent out and to plant churches and to be the entrepreneurs of the faith. And we need the evangelists, and we all evangelize in our own way, but we need those particular evangelists to be the spearhead as they lead out and witness and do the street ministry, street apologetics, or whatever the case may be. So that even within each of our groups, we need to grow balanced. And then overarchingly as a church, we need to grow in balanced ways, always helping and supporting the others. And so some ways you can do that is to start hanging out and befriending people who aren't like you. Uh, So for me, I tend teacher pastor would be as I take these assessments, uh, teacher pastor would be the ministry roles here that that I am. And so I try to keep an apostolic person around me because they always compel me not just to sit and teach all the time and and not just to nurture all the time. But there has to be challenge to push people out into new ventures, into new areas uh, of ministry throughout the community and so forth. And you keep these evangelists around you so it's not just doctrinal content hey that doctrine needs to manifest in a proclamation of the gospel in your communities and in your neighborhoods and so i have friends particular friends that i hang out with Uh, i like them I, i do like them but also because of their particular bent they stretch me they stretch me and get me out of my comfort zone and that's really healthy and it's really impactful and so i would say um if you find out what you are Take one of these fivefold ministry assessments, find out where you tend, and you probably have a good idea now, just based on the definitions in the previous chapter, chapter two of the travel log, and befriend some other group leaders that may be 
in a, in a different uh, ministry role as you, um, however we want to define this. So if you're a pastor teacher, go find a ministry leader, uh, a life group leader, I mean to say, who is an apostle, who is a prophet, who is an evangelist, and they're going to stretch you, you're going to grow, you're going to become more balanced, and you're going to become a better leader for your people. And I think it's pretty clear, as Paul writes here, particularly in verse 11, when he says, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, all for the equipping of the saints, none is more important than the other. They're all equally important for God's kingdom purposes. And so it's it's never any place for us to, uh, to, to be envious or jealous of someone else's gifting uh, because God has gifted us uniquely in a way in which he wants us to, to use this gift for the building of his kingdom. And I think it's a really good... Uh, drawing on page 35 in the travelogue, this pyramid. And Dr. Orge makes the point that on all forts of the, all sort um, points of the pyramid, all four points kind of push up toward the, toward the apex of the pyramid at the top that um, even though you start at different places, different points, you all end up in this going in the same direction as you pursue Jesus. So as you move up toward Christ, you're moving closer to one another also. And so he makes the point to say, uh, to put it another way, if anyone is becoming more like Jesus, they are also becoming more like each other. I've never really thought of it that way, Paul. No, and that is a good way to think about it because we continue to grow together and we are helping others along in their walk. So we're becoming equippers of ministers as we look like each other. So as I may be elevated and talented in this one way, I help other people to become that. And as they are talented in other ways. They help me to be a better pastor, to be a better um, diplomat uh, when you're trying to reconcile differences or arbitrate issues amongst people. Uh, So it's so true that, and I see it on staff, certainly with us, as we work together day after day after day, you start to adopt some of the traits of your colleagues, and it helps you to be more well-rounded and more Christ-like. And you start to see your flaws in in a different light. That's a healthy, I mean, a corrective way. Yeah, and I've I've helped you see those too. As I've, uh, they weren't hard to spot though. Made a list of all your flaws. No, I'm just kidding. They um, were they were glaring. <laughs> to say the we least. All, we all have those. Yeah. So and to give another example, so when I came to this church five years ago now, and um, I ended up teaching a lot of focus studies through Roger, and just teaching pure doctrine. It was just all teaching all the time. So the idea of in, of inviting someone out of my group to walk with me in a more intimate way to talk about their personal life, it was just foreign to me. To even follow up with them after the lesson was foreign to me. So there was no real inreach. There was no real pastoral ministry. It was all just pure teaching on the doctrines so that they could go defend their faith in public. That was really all there was. And that was what the sum total of discipleship was to me. But as I interned here, you come to see a more fullness, a more balanced discipleship where, well, that's great you're equipping them with this knowledge, and that's great you're challenging them to go, but have you dealt with the personal sin in their life that can help them have the confidence to go, that can liberate them to be more sensitive to the Spirit? Well, I was just totally skipping that part. Have you introduced them to the Holy Spirit in an intimate way so that they can learn how the Spirit is quickening them? day by day to stay in tune with the spirit through prayer, Bible reading, etc. I had totally skipped that part. And so I think I was really just putting people in bondage, just giving them giving them um, guilt because I was uh, giving them the knowledge and then I was not 
empowering them to actually do the work. So I was not equipping the saints. I was just, you know, filling their heads, giving them a general worldview. And so as as you learn more about discipleship, as you learn more about how Jesus lived with these men, how he would do a miracle, then unpack the kingdom for them, how when they had a question of conscience, they're just walking through the grain fields. Hey, you know, why aren't we more like John's disciples? And Jesus was able to unpack it for them right there in the moment because they lived together so intimately. I don't know that we'll ever have that in our modern culture, but we need to simulate it as much as we can. And part of that is staying balanced in our approach and not just getting into our little niche pet projects. And um, Mike Glenn often likes to say is that one major difference between the spiritual leadership and leadership in general in the secular arena is that the spiritual leader is judged really much more so by what the membership does. They're judged by what those whom they lead do. So to take my life as an example, uh, I, I do a lot of stuff that I can control. I read the right books, uh, write the right blogs, and sit on the right teams and the meetings, etc. But the way I'm really judged at the end of the day is by what life group leaders are producing in their people. How are they developing their group membership uh, to grow and to be more like Christ? And that's, a, in part, uh, a metric of how I'm doing as well. Mm-hmm. So we look at the outcomes of the people in whom we're investing as spiritual leaders, not only what we ourselves are actually doing. And so as I think about this, this chapter, as we wrap up here in this episode, I think there are two challenges that come to my mind. One for you as a leader. I think that would be, how are you equipping the people in your life group to serve and to take and to be participants of the kingdom of God uh, beyond just teaching a lesson on Sunday morning or in a home during the weeknight? Uh, when, when, what, how does that look to you? Yeah, and that doesn't mean you have to do everything for everybody, right? But you can invest in one or two and empower them to do it for three or four or five right. down the road. Right. So some of you lead large classes and you're thinking, oh, man, that's overwhelming. Forty people in there. How am I going to how would I do that? No. You know, the Holy Spirit will give you some guidance and direction as you begin to think about these things. But and Paul and I can help as well. Kind of kind of think through some of those things. So that would be one challenge. This making sure that we're equipping the saints for ministry. We're modeling, not teaching. Absolutely. But also we want to model for them, challenge them, empower them. Some of you may be a little reluctant to say, hey, you need to be doing this. I think that that should be your role. I think you should embrace those opportunities to really challenge them to engage in a fuller way, deeper way. Because you know the people that are in your life group that aren't doing anything. It probably it, it probably frustrates you. I've talked to some of you, and you're, you're frustrated by those things. So uh, gently take the opportunity this Sunday to really nudge them and and maybe even as a follow-up to a few individuals in there that you feel like really are ready to say, Hey, let's, let's step out and I want to help you uh, find out how God is going to use you in mighty ways in this church and community. And so, yeah. So the first challenge is for you in your own personal ministry, how you're going to uh, equip and and really um, focus on that aspect of things, but also too. As you, another challenge is to challenge your people who, uh, and we just talked about it, just to be thinking about, uh, help them to kind of see where it is that God might would use them. And sometimes that might mean place, you know, as, as a great starting point for people to maybe get a, an understanding a little bit of, of where, uh, of how they're gifted and what their passions are. 
uh, that that might be an option for them as a next step. But um, but but really, but really, you know, be passionate this week about helping them to understand that they are all of them are called. If they are called, if they if, if God called them and they accepted that call to be to become a follower of Jesus, then they're also called to to take part in the mission of Jesus. And that's so that's so crucial for them to understand. It's not your job. It's not just my job or Paul's job. We're all in this together uh, as an army of Christ followers sent out into a world uh, to make much of Jesus. Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. I hope you have a, an incredible week, and we hope that uh, you uh, just have a really um, spirit-filled time with your group this week. Thanks for tuning in.